You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26ers, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and I'm back with another interview. This episode's guest is Joe Shane, elite runner and co-founder of Teamwork and Pace Runs. Now here at the December 26er podcast, we are equally as committed to your physical well-being as we are to your mental and emotional well-being. So I'm really excited that we had a health and wellness focused episode. But it's not just about that. While we spend a lot of time talking about running and how to get into running and how to stick with it, Joe also talks a lot about his personal story from being the child of an incarcerated father and a mother who passed away when he was just eight years old to being raised by his 17 year old sister to how one day as an adult, he decided that he wanted to get into running and signed up for a marathon and started training a mere five months in advance. There are a lot of goodies in here and a lot of metaphors that can be applied to life in general. So please take a listen and I hope you enjoy. Joe Shane. Oh. Oh, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Happy to be talking to you on this fine Monday. (laughs) So tell me, who is Joe Shane? Oh, God. I know I was supposed to be prepared for this question. You were, but it's fine. You can do it on the freestyle. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Joe Shane is, right? Is that how people usually start it off, right? Mm-hmm. Native New Yorker, born and raised, um, house kitchen, uh, grinder, hustler. I like, I guess it doesn't sound like, sound right when you say it out loud, but it's <laughs> the truth, you know? Um uh, full-time insurance salesman, let's keep it real. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed to say the name of the company on the podcast. That's up to you. You work for them, not me. That's your choice. I'm in the business, so hey, <laughs> holler at State Farm if you need anything. Okay. Let me know. Hey, auto, fire, commercial, life, whatever. Listen, I'm not mad at the shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be good. You're going to be hearing it all night. <laughs> I wonder what time it was. I told you earlier, I've been up since three, so. Mm-hmm. Cut me some slack, please. I'm cutting you slack. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm also a fitness enthusiast. Uh, I'm a runner. Uh, I feel like I'm relatively new to running. I just started running about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, um, I'm a lover, my brother, son, you know, just a regular Joe. <laughs> a, reg- be extraordinary, right? a regular Joe trying to be extraordinary. Well, you are extraordinary. There's no trying. You already are. Okay. So let's talk. Let's start from the beginning. Growing up in Hell's Kitchen. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 34. So you grew up in Hell's Kitchen, 80s and 90s, right? What was that like? Oh, man, you can imagine. Um, what's the what's the age group of your listeners? I don't even know. but It literally ranges from folks in their mid-20s all the way up to 50 plus. Well, if they're in their mid-20s, you mm. may not remember, but, um, you know... Um, Midtown got hit with the crack epidemic, mm-hmm. just like the rest of America. Um, Midtown was, you know, pimps and hustlers, dealers, things like that. Um, was not, <laughs> not, not this type of, you know, touristy, touristy bright lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I literally, I grew up on 45th Street and 8th Avenue. Wow. Right. I was not allowed to go to 44th and 8th Avenue. Stay on my block. You can go this way. You can go that way. You can't go that way. But it was cool. It taught me a lot, you know. Um, taught me how to, like, move around, move through the city, um, wear different hats, do different things, you know. That was, you know, what it was like growing up. 
Right. So I grew up in Jersey okay. and for all intents and purposes, the suburbs. Okay. Right. So close to New York. But, so, you know, people always say, oh, what part? Knowing that they don't know anything. About they don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. If you're from Jersey, you ask what exit. <laughs> if you're not from Jersey, you generally have no idea unless you either know somebody from there or you're familiar with Bruce Springsteen and, you know, Asbury Park. That's pretty much it. Right. But, you know, growing up, we all, it was always going to the city, right? You're going to the city and people still who live in Jersey think that Times Square and Midtown is like super dangerous, not realizing that it's really been cleaned up, right? And it's a different scene, but everybody just assumed if you're on the street after me anymore, I don't, I, don't ask me, but I think, you know, they assume that like I'm coming home from work and I'm going to get mugged right outside the Port Authority, which is just not the case. Which I've seen happen more times than I can count. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so when you grow up in a neighborhood like that with, muggings and you're not allowed to go off the block how do you see a brighter future for yourself i mean what's been good about the gent like the whole gentrification is that like you do i did get to see early on like the changes mm -hmm. that took place and like you know for better or for worse uh it opened up uh some open up an eye for me to see that there's more out there and even to see that Things don't always stay the same way that they always been. Right? Mm -hmm. you can always change. You can always like reinvent yourself. Um, you can reinvent neighborhoods. You can reinvent cities. You know, reinvent countries. So um, I think with that, it's kind of offered me a sense of, of optimism. Mm -hmm. You know, through a lot of um, through a lot of different things that I've been through in my life. So and you know, just like everybody else, you you know, you, you, people go through stuff. Right. So. <laughs> We try, we try to keep it clean. We try to keep it clean. Um, in any event. All right. So what was the first step out? Was it going to college? Was it high school programs? Like what got you off 45th and 8th? All right. Well, literally, I, I got moved out. Okay. <laughs> um, let's just get into it because I, I feel like it's going to come. My mom passed when I was really young. Okay. I was eight years old. Um, and my sister, who was 17 at the time. Her name is Polly. Um, she fought to keep all of us together. There was five of us. Wow. All together. Was she the oldest? She's the oldest. Okay. Yeah. And um, we grew up in this one bedroom apartment on 45th and 8th. It was a nice apartment for like two people. Mm -hmm. but, like the seven, eight people that lived there at any given moment was just too small. And so we literally got moved out of that apartment and into another um, area in Midtown, Hell's Kitchen, um, which was developing too. You know, okay. The whole Midtown was developing in the early 90s. And um, for the er for the longest time, uh, where I grew up on 37th and 10th, we were a number of like 12 families that lived on that whole block. Mm -hmm. You know, like 10 in my building, you know, there was a few buildings across the street and, you know, that was it. It was a really desolate block. Um, so literally we got moved out. But the bright side for me was that like, hey, I got like a bed that's mine that mm -hmm. sleep in that nobody else, I don't have to share it anymore with anybody else. Like I didn't have to share the bed with my sister or my brother, whatever. Um, so that part, that first part for me was like a sign for better things to come. And I think um, growing up, I had a very blessed like upcoming. Um, even though my mom passed when I was young, my dad was in jail at the time, mm -hmm. so he wasn't around. And then um, every little kind of move or situation or change provided some level of like optimism, some level of like different difference, you know. So that was that was that was it for me. I think like just initially off the bat, I was like, all right, this is something that's going to be different about the situation. It's not going to stay like this forever. So that's I guess. 
for me is like any situation. I think at that age, even though I did, I probably didn't realize it at the time. You know, you know, reflecting, looking back, for me, every little uh, change or difference is an opportunity to kind of say, like, all right, well, whatever I'm going through now is not going to be forever. Right. So, what does that look like? A 17 year old trying to keep Ooh. five siblings together. She's not even a voting age at, at no. this point. How does how does she do it? How did she do it? I don't, honestly, I think part of it is like divine intervention. Because mm-hmm. that year she got pregnant. Wow. And um, she had a baby. She, I have a niece. She's 20. What the hell? What year is it now? <laughs> 2018. She's going to be 26. Wow. So she was pregnant at the time. And um, my niece was born later that year. But literally, she was turning 18. So it was like, all right, you know what? I may not be a voting age, but... I'll be 18 in three months, you know? And for a 17-year-old girl, right? Like, all intensives, per- like, she was a girl. Right. Um, for me, as, a eight, as an eight-year-old boy, it just, she just looks like your big sister, you know? Mm-hmm. And then eventually she looks like your mom because, you know, that's the eldest in the house. She's the one that's, like, paying all the bills and, like making sure that we have food and taking us shopping for clothes. So um, you, for me, it kind of just changes like the dynamic of what an older person is supposed to be. Right. So for me, it kind of, it kind of made me have this reverence towards people that were older than me. I think um, I remember uh, like when I was younger, the dynamic in the neighborhood was that like like you were you know you're, you're a kid, but you have to you have to have respect for people that were older than you. Absolutely. At all times, um, somebody asks you to do something, if it's in your power to do it, you just do it. You don't like ask too many questions. You know you don't make a big fuss about it. You just like go ahead because somebody asks you to do it, go ahead and do it. They would call like you know we would go to the park play basketball and stuff like that. So I see the older guys, they'd be like, hey, shorty, go to the store for me. It's like, you know, think about it. You'd be like, all right, what do you want? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they may have only been like four or five years my senior, but they were they were my senior. And I respected them for that. And um, I think that that part of like having her be that person for me kind of made me respect not only older people, but all people just like have a lot more respect for people. Because you never know what's like, what's going on with what they're dealing with. Sure. So you have your sister who stepped in and played this parent role to her siblings and then a child of her own, right? But let, let's talk about your family dynamic and how that affected your future because you may know that statistics say that if you have a parent that has been incarcerated, mm-hmm. your likelihood of being incarcerated as the child of that parent goes up. And, you know, I, I would think that if you're not, if you don't have the stability of the other parent because that parent has passed away, that exacerbates the circumstances and the risk around you. But you went to college, you're college educated, yeah. right? So how did you get there? How did you say, you know what, I'm going to school, I'm going to create a better life for myself? I think one part of it was like, I always loved school. Mm-hmm. I didn't always love school. At that age, I loved school. Okay. Okay, let's, let's be real. At that age, I love school. Like, I love school more than anything else. Like, part of it was like, those were, that's where all my friends are. That's like, that's where I get to like run around. That's, mm-hmm. where, I get, that's where I get to do all the things I can't do with on the, you know, in the house. You know, mm-hmm. can't play ball in the house. You know, can't be jumping around on things. So, I mean, not to say that I went to school and jumped around and anything. I didn't do that because, you know, that's not how we got down. <laughs> right. But um, you know, you got your recess time. You you 
you have your friends, uh, you run around on the playground. Uh, and I think part of it was just like I had a, I had a genuine, genuine love for, for, for school and like for being there. So that that was really part of like the, the early part of the upbringing. Right. And then moving into like the teenage years, um, I think I think there was like and I, I always say it's like divine intervention, you know, just people around me um, just kind of nudging me in the, in, the, in the right way, in the right direction or and um, providing encouragement, uh, just kind of getting to know me and know like whatever little bit of a story that they knew about me, knew knowing that like the family that I came from was not the family that you try to push the little brother into into bad things. Right. You know, um, I actually was my elementary school valedictorian. Valedictorian. Really? Yeah. I gave a little speech in a... <laughs> Did you have a bow tie or a little clip on tie when you did it? I think no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I did. But I did my little like kindergarten pictures. I remember that. But I did give like some speech. Can't remember it now. But um, I, I love school that much. Mm-hmm. And I think part of uh, part of the upbringing is that everybody could tell like I love just being wherever I was. Like I just love being in that space, mm-hmm. just being in my own body, and just being around the people that were, I was around at the time. It didn't even matter who they were. Um, and uh, people looked out. People looked out for me. I think people looked out. I, I, Matter of fact, I know people looked out. Mm-hmm. Like my sister, she's told me, you know, a couple of times as years gone on. You know, excuse my language. I didn't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. She would say like I did, but I didn't. I had help along the way. She had teachers in her high school that were looking out for her, right? Because she had just graduated from the high school. Um, she had people in the neighborhoods that was would come over and and take care of us and watch the kids and things like that. So. Um, you know, she was a young girl herself, so she wanted to go out and, and enjoy being young, even though she couldn't, right? But she did have people that would come over and, and watch watch us, right. take care of us. And I didn't know that these things were happening. You know, I just knew, like, all right, so-and-so's going to watch you for a little bit. And they just came in, watched us, mm-hmm. went about their business. So um, I think what it looks like is it looks like uh, like a whole community just kind of stepping in and just lifting you up and lifting the family up together and um, and just being able to go with it. Right. So you brought up the word that I was going to bring up, community. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like from your story and everything that you've said, you have had a deep appreciation and respect for the village, yeah. for the community that helps you along from the beginning, from, yeah. from very early on. And I wonder how that has informed some of your passions that you have now. Let, let's talk about that. Teamwork. <laughs> what is teamwork? All right. So um, teamwork or We Run Kings um, is a fitness organization, a fitness group. Um, right now, our focus is on running because uh, I'm a runner I love running mm-hmm. and I train runners to uh, the better to become the better version of themselves we have people that have different uh, goals and interests and I just try to meet them where they are right mm-hmm. you come to me and you say hey Joe I want to train for my first marathon boom let's go let's do it I'm all about the marathons I love it um, hey Joe um, you know, I feel like I'm a little overweight. Um, I want to drop like 10, 15 pounds. I've seen people do it through running. I want to do it too. Oh, you know what? I'm all about you losing some weight. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> so that's uh, that's kind of like teamwork in a nutshell. But what happens in teamwork and what's so beautiful and what's so dynamic about it is that it, it's really, it really turns, once you once you join a team, once you join teamwork, you really do become part of a, of a second family. Right. Yeah. And um, people 
look out for one another. I don't have all the answers. I don't even pretend that I do, you know. Um, I'm more so just kind of like a person that facilitates the narrative that you're that you're trying to write. You know, you're trying to lose some weight. You're trying to like run a, a milestone race. Um, you're trying to just you know get back some fitness that you've had from the past. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm just the, I'm just the facilitator. And what happens along the way, too, is that, you know, the the, the team kind of pitches in and, and kind of reinforces it, whatever it is that you're looking to do. And so team teamwork started in Brooklyn, really, because I would I had just moved to Brooklyn. I had just run run my second or third marathon. I had like crushed it because I one thing about me is like when I put my mind to it I can get really good at something mm-hmm. right um and really fast and um it really people around me would had seen it and they're like I was just some regular guy just you know I was fit I would go to the gym and do things like that but I was not a runner became a runner and realized I was really good at it um and some people asked me like hey can you train me and not just one not just two, like 10, 12, 30 people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, well, if you don't want me to train you, you're going to have to pay me because I can't pay this for free. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And so I, um, I did a like a, a training program about like starting a, tra- a team and of runners, um, some basic instruction about like what a running program would look like, what a road running program would look like, what an urban road running program would look like in the city. And I kind of just took bits and pieces of, of, of fitness and running organizations that I was participating in here and there and um, wrote a program wrote some some training plans and got about 30, 35 people through their first half marathon. Wow. On my, on my first shot. So I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so um, a lot of those people are still part of the team and, and do help out too, especially like with the new people that join. Um, but um, it's kind of almost starting to take on a, on a life of its own, right? Mm-hmm. Like once you start something and it's like, it becomes successful, it's like, all right, it goes from like A to B. Absolutely. You got to expand the brand, yeah. right? And so um, I say, what is teamwork? What is We Run Kings? And, um, you know, what I said at first is really what it is. You know, it's just a, a, a group or an organization that really just wants to meet you where you are in your in your fitness journey, in your health and fitness and health and wellness journey. Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack that a little bit. Did you, cause you said you'd only, you've only been running for, I think you told me before we started recording four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've been running for four years. Did you just wake up at 30 and say, <laughs> I'm about to start running today. Like how does that happen? 29, 29. Did you, did you just, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm about to start running? Oh man. Yo. So I don't even know if this guy's ever going to hear this, but one like one of my oldest and best friends, his name is Nils Hackstrom. Uh, he's from the neighborhood, house kitchen. And, um, he he was training for his first marathon, right? And he's like, yo, dude, you got to do this. It's running. It's cool. It's fun. I'm like, nah, man, it's not for me. <laughs> and then um, he, uh, he crossed, when he crossed the finish line, and then they, we, they had like a little like marathon party for him at his bar that he, <clears throat> he manages. Um, 
Rudy's. Mm-hmm. Huh, Rudy's. <laughs> Rudy, previous guest, Rudy Racine. Shout out to him, but it's not his bar though. His bar. <laughs> but he has a. I, I, I think he has a separate actually relationship with, with Nels. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, they had a party for him, and seeing him accomplish that goal was like, yo, watching this dude that was not a runner like me, you know, just kind of put his mind to it and and went out and did it, accomplished it. It was like people say the word all the time, right? Inspiring. Right. It was like legit inspiring to me. And um I was like, nah man, you know what? I wanna do this. I gotta do this. So I literally went home and I was like, yo, when is the next marathon that I, mm-hmm. that I could like participate in? And I and I registered for the Paris Marathon. Mind you, I've never been outside of no I'm lying. I've never been to Europe. Okay. Before that. So I'm like, all right, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but (laughs) I'm going to go to Paris and I'm going to run a marathon. And so the next marathon was like in April. And what month was this? November. November. So that's five months. And you were not a runner before that? No, I was not a runner. Um, I used to like to work out in the gym and try to get your body right after college. It's like... You know, you're trying to maintain whatever you have. That freshman 15 oh, is real. Yeah, it, lasts, <laughs> it lasts forever. But luckily, I've like always been like active. I played ball. I'm not very tall, but I, you know, just stayed active. Mm-hmm. And then um, November, you know, so let's say the marathon was on the 1st, November 2nd. I signed up for this Paris marathon, not knowing how I was going to get there. Five months later, um, participating in, in different clubs all over New York City. Completed my first marathon. I mean, it wasn't easy. I'm not going to sit here online and be like, oh, Oh, yeah, it was the easiest thing. No, man, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Okay, so I got to stop you here, right? Because I am someone who really enjoys weights, mm-hmm. appreciates the bike, mm-hmm. appreciates the Stairmaster. I have started training for a half marathon, I think three point. The three points in my life at this mm-hmm. at this time. I just can't get with it, right? I've tried over and over. I've got a bum knee too, which doesn't help, right? So when somebody says to me, I just decided I was going to run a Paris marathon and I didn't know how I was going to get there. And I just signed up on November 2nd and I joined some groups and then I made it. It was hard, but I made it. I'm like, wait, what? Like there, there's some gaps you got to fill in so, for me, right? So how did you how did you get started? That first day when you got up to start training, how far did you run? I need I need some tactical details right, here because so I feel like people are going to ask the same question. Yeah, sure. The first I mean, all right, not to say I was I was an in shape person. So it's mm-hmm. not like I never ran. I was not a runner but i could run right and i think in some capacity everybody you know that's able-bodied can run right you can run if you can walk you can run right so walking to me is part of running and um i uh the like the first day they um i signed up for a charity i had to raise money to run the race okay it was closed so they signed up for the charity started raising some money and they gave you a training plan Right. So I looked at this training plan and on the first day they say, okay, first day of your plan, rest. So like, what? My first day, what am I supposed to be doing? Why? Start training. What do you mean rest? And, um, but I went with it. Right. And, um, I, I selected the, the, the beginner plan because I was a beginner and, um, I wasn't going to try and pretend that I was any kind of intermediate or advanced runner. And the first day of that plan was Zero miles. So to answer your okay. question, zero miles, right? Um, the next day on that plan was three miles. And then the day after was zero miles again. And the next day was four miles. And the day after that was zero. And then every at the end of every week, they say you got to run a long run. Mm-hmm. 
because you got to get used to running for a long period of time, at least once a week before you actually run the race. And so that first week I ran for an hour and I thought I was going to die. I ran, I walked, I ran, I walked. That was going to be my next question. Did you run the three miles straight through? I ran the three miles straight through. Okay. I did. But the long run you couldn't get through. Okay. No, I was not ready for that. I was not ready for that. And then, um, but I'm like, I have this kind of like addictive kind of personality. I okay. Guess, right. So I try to figure out everything I, I can know about something when I approach it. Mm-hmm. And with with like training for a marathon, I was like, that went into overdrive. I was like, no, nah, man. I was like, this on the computer. <laughs> How do you train for a marathon? You know what comes up? Like there's like 160. 62,500 like right. literally millions of programs on it. I've done that search, I know. Yeah. So so you know what it's like. It's like so many different kinds of plans and and, and ideologies and philosophies and um things like that. But every plan that I've like read, it kind of pretty much started in the same thing it was like all right, well, you really have to imagine that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Your first thing is like really just believing that it can get done. And no matter what it, it looks like to get there, it's going to change a hundred times along the way. But just kind of closing your eyes and and visualizing the finish line, even though you're just getting started. Right. But that mental aspect of like picturing yourself completing it was like at the top of everybody's list. They didn't even tell you like, okay, for day one, you're going to do this day two. You know what I mean? The first plan that I looked at was like rest on day one, right? Right. So it, it, it kind of, that kind of stuck with me, that like, that mental part, like visualizing, you know, um, and then they also talked about like mental, re- like, you know, reinforcements or mental reinforcements mm-hmm. or positive reinforcements that you can do it, you know, um, things like that. So for me, I took that and I ran with it. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do it. And just, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to get done, but right. come hell or high water, I'll be in Paris and I'll, I will finish this, this race that I started, this journey that I start, you know, God willing. Right. And um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that, you know, that mental fortitude what you talked about is like envisioning the finish line yeah. from the beginning. That's a metaphor for life, it's right? So in, in so many things, it it's exactly what you said. It's going to change a hundred times. Mm. It's going to be difficult, mm. but you've got to just keep your eye on the prize. Right. Now, taking it back to actual like fitness, you know, so believe it or not, even though I said I'm not with running, I ran track at one point, but I, I was a, I was a sprinter. You, 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 I don't know. <laughs> yeah. they, they don't have a camera here. Yes. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that that genetic genetic athleticism that uh, my brother and I are are blessed with, I'm I'm grateful for it. Um, but you know, distance running is a whole other thing, and I hated the long runs when I ran track a hundred years ago. But what do you say to a person, right? Because you got in, you rested the first day, you ran the three miles because you're fit. But what do you say to someone who's been out of the gym, is out of shape, might be struggling with some health challenges, mm-hmm. pre diabetes, whatever, and has to do something, but they are afraid mm-hmm. and frankly not in the right physical place. Cause I remember those like long workouts feeling like I was going to throw up right yeah. on the track. If you're not used to that, you'll be yeah. seeing stars. Your ears will be well, ringing. Those, there's not that many workouts like that. Mm-hmm. For long distance running. Right. Um, I mean, if you're competitive, yeah, sure. But for the most part, you probably, if you're like a, a beginner mm-hmm. runner, you're not going to set yourself up or well, you shouldn't set yourself up for that kind of intense workout because you're asking for two different kinds of, uh, of results. Right? Sure. 
Like, if you're a sprinter, yeah, you want to be out there pounding, like, you know, doing those those repeats, those, mm-hmm. sprints, those sprints. You re- you want to get your body prepared for a race that is going to take you to your absolute maximum level or your perceived level. And right. You're push it beyond that, right? And what happens, but, and, and um, usually, inevitably, like, ends up happening, you, you know, eventually, you're going to, your body's going to react and say, no, this right. is not my level. And sometimes you're going to throw up, right? Right. So, I mean, I ran track way back in the day, but I remember the first time I, I my coach said, "Yo, Joe, you're gonna run a you're gonna run the 400." What? <laughs> I threw up everything I ate for the last two days <laughs> on that track. Perfect sprinter, and I was used to just trying to you know leave it all out there. Right. But fortunately, long distance running is not like that, right? Like long distance running is all about preserving and. And all about um, pacing yourself and all about uh, taking your time with it. Right. And um, what I always say or would say to like the first timers is really kind of begin with that. Start with that mental part of it. Right. Just really just imagine yourself that you can do it and get like really firm on that. Everything else, whatever, right? Like the the the, the journey, the plan, that's all going to change. Like, But be really firm on the goal. Sure. And your first goal for your first big race like that is just, just be, just finish it. Just try to finish, like set yourself to finish it. Imagine yourself that you can finish it and um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. It's your first time. It's like, it's like being um, like, uh, like when you're first trying to learn how to ride a bike, right? mm-hmm. you're not going to be riding with the big boys right away without training wheels, right? Like, you know, you're going to, you, 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 most people you don't learn with training wheels right? little by little. So not super fit or you you know you you can't really run down the block walk can you walk the answer is yes take that first day to rest because i'm a firm believer and just kind of <laughs> like you know what get yourself mentally prepared for what you're about to uh, um, embark on but then on that second day when you're like really you know you you decide that you're gonna put your, your first foot forward to do it walk there's nothing wrong with it So I'm going to run back a quote that I'm going to remix a little bit, but I think it's important to repeat it. The journey or the plan may change, but be firm on the goal and just commit to finishing. I I think that can be applied to fitness. That could be applied to life. I might actually write that one down and post it somewhere because this journey or plan that I'm on has changed and shifted (laughs) several times. Okay, so you've got teamwork. You have offerings through that. Are you guys running in groups? Are you training people one by one? How does it work? I usually train people in groups mm-hmm. um, people have asked to train one-on-one and I'm open to it to a certain degree if it works for my my schedule and things like that but I just don't have a lot of time to do right. it right um, but that's something that I would be you know open to one God pay me I <laughs> Listen, we we are all about the payments yeah. here on the December twenty sixth podcast. All the payments, over here, you know what I mean? Like, don't don't come on here and be like, oh, I want you to train me, I want you to do this, and then and then show no cash. Like, it's 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 kind of like I want to help people out, yeah. Right. At the same time, like you gotta eat too, you know. And I I work with people all the time. There's people that I train for free sometimes too. You know? Right. There's some people you just want to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't mean you have to invest in everybody. You got you got it. <laughs> Share it. <laughs> but um, for the most part, I train people in groups. I think it's um, it's really um, one of the best parts of, of the teamwork, too, is that like people get to train with other people. Back to that community aspect. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you really get an opportunity to connect and network. 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to say you can't talk to this person or you can't talk to that person. I'm not going to hold your hand through through the relationships that you build, you know. Um, there's people that have um, met each other on the team and they've become very good friends, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm here for that, you know. And so train people in groups, uh, provide uh, tips and, and, and uh ideas and ideologies about running. I'm always open to learning new things about running. I'm always researching new things. Uh, One of my main things that I always talk to my runners about is just literally just about breathing. Like Mm -hmm. I can spend the whole session and just be like, look, all we gonna do is just work on your breathing. Really? What does that look like? So it's almost like what it sounds like. And it sounds, it can sound kind of silly, but let's like, let's kind of like play it out for you right now, right? So say like you're running Right. And what's the first thing that people would say? What's the what's your first issue with running? What's your issue? with running? I've literally run out of steam. Like I run after a while. I can't breathe. I feel like I got to stop, you know, cramping, what have you. So one of my favorite exercises or, or, or things that I like to do with the runners is be like, hey, look, my athletes, I like to call them. That's what they you know. That's who you are. You're an sure. athlete. Sure. Um, is you need to learn how to breathe. And it can literally be as simple as like one, two, three, four. So take a deep breath in, you know, you start, you can start by walking, right? So like, say you're walking, right? And I, I like to exaggerate it. So I'll be like, yo, breathe out really heavy the first, like first time that right foot hits the ground, mm-hmm. breathe out really heavy, right? So it's like, then the, you, on that fourth or that fifth, I guess, step. So when the, the right foot hits the ground, a second time, mm-hmm. breathe out again. Because what's in- inevitably going to happen, inevitably, <laughs> I like to use the word, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. What's, what's um, you know, inevitably going to happen is that your body's naturally going to breathe in, right? Um, but just remind yourself to breathe out so that, oh, shoot, this pencil says breather. Yes, we are in a breather space right now. Um, literally, just breathe out. So finding your rhythm. So finding your rhythm. And what what's going to happen is that your body is going to align itself with your breathing. And it's going to create a, a sense of uh, synergy. And it's going to feed off of one another. And yeah, you're going to lose your breath. You're going to lose the breathing pattern. But what, what helps is that you, you have a reminder, something that you work for, something that you work towards. So that whenever you feel like your breathing is, is, is falling off, just come back to it. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can happen at any time, right? Like... You could be running and then like you're feeling really good and you're like, oh, all of a sudden you're breathing really fast. So, right. Wow. I'm, kind of, I'm breathing kind of fast. Maybe I should check in on that and just get back to it. See, most people, I think when that happens, they're inclined to just stop. Like, you know, hands on knees. I, I can't breathe. Well, if that's the mm-hmm. case, then yeah, that's your body telling you you need to stop. Mm-hmm. That's fine too. But what also can happen and it's a choice that you can make too at that time is like, all right, maybe I should slow down. Mm-hmm. Got it. Slow down. I mean, there's levels to it, right? Like, if you're running really, really fast, yeah, by all means, stop. Because, you know, either your body's going to tell you, your body's going to tell you you can't go on no, no, mm-hmm. no longer. But if there's a choice that you can make, make the choice where you're able to keep moving. Sure. So that you can kind of progress towards that that goal that you set. And um, I'm I'm big on on stopping, too. I mean, at first I wasn't really because I was like, oh, no, it's a race. You you have to press on. You have to do this. You have to do that. But, you know, after running so many races, I stop all the time. I mean, like, yeah, I'm fast and I know how to, like, pace myself. But sometimes I lose my my own pacing, too. Sure. 
and I go out a little too fast. I try to keep up with a certain person that I shouldn't be keeping up with because he runs faster than me or she runs faster than me. And um, I'm not at that level yet. But I push myself to do it. And my body will be like, you know, today's not that day, Joe. You know, slow down. So I'll slow down. I'll walk or take a sip of water. But, you know, that little break that I get to take allows me to kind of recover and rejuvenate myself to get back pretty pretty close so that I'm, I'm, I'm able to push. Right. Racing to keep up with somebody even though you're not at the same level oh, yeah. that's another metaphor <laughs> right there people we do we all have been in that place where we compare ourselves mm-hmm. to someone else and we're like oh they've dashed out ahead of me in oh, life and I gotta catch up and then we start making poor decisions and it all implodes after a while right okay so back to your groups though so let's say there's somebody who wants to join but is intimidated about not being able to keep up mm-hmm. how do you deal with people not being at the same fitness level you know that's it's so what's so dope about running is that like everybody's so supportive because everybody's dealing with a certain challenge. Sure. So whether you're the fastest person on the team or a person that's not run a, you know, run around the block or somebody's coming off an injury, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not at the same level that they used to be before the injury, right? Everybody's kind of like dealing with something. And so how I... Uh, <laughs> How I'm able to deal with the different levels in fitness and different fitness levels is that it kind of, um, well, one, I give them the space to be able to just be that. Like, you, if that's where you are, that's fine. Sure. Um, if you're intimidated, that's fine. Because, you know, I would lie to say, like, it, it, it's not intimidating. I, I was intimidated the first time I saw people running, like, like, fast without stopping. I get it. But it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like everybody's going through their own thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're, what I always say and what ends up happening too is that people kind of look out for one another. Say, Miss Judy, she's one of um, one of my team members um, and she she's always like welcoming the new members and like telling people like, hey, I know it's intimidating the first time, uh, but, you, you know, just keep showing up and and you'll be able to, you know, eventually get more comfortable. And it's like for me, it's like. Yeah, come with that uncomfortability. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't don't like be married to it because you're gonna you're gonna lose that. You know, and the team is gonna take care of you. I'm there to take care of you. I'm there to show you around. I'm, I'm there to like make sure that you know you are doing some of the things that like like breathing, right? Right. Or like kind of like trying to work on your cadence and your form. And I'm sure I'm there to show you some of the tech technical things but I'm also there to say hey like you know I know it's hard but don't think that it's not hard for that person that's running fast just because they're running fast doesn't mean that it's not hard for them right and um we're we're really all in the same boat and all in this together to try to move towards another to another point and um what's dope like and that's what's so dope about it and is that you could be the fastest person you could be the slowest person but like you can still train and and work in the same space and everyone's lifting each other up exactly yeah that's probably i mean i think that's one of the coolest things for me when you get to a race too like right to an event like you're standing there with world-class world-class athletes that have been have won competition sure olympics they they participated in they they travel the world to get paid to do this stuff and you like get an opportunity to share that same space with them and to run that same course with them and it's it's kind of dope 
it's kind of it's, it's really cool for to me because it's like you get to you, you you get to show up there you get to be there right and I don't know a lot of other um, sports that let you do that right any level you, you at get any to level be there, right yeah. like mm. you you can't stand on the same tennis court as Serena Williams <laughs> right <laughs> you know what I mean like you're not gonna be shooting around LeBron James you know so uh, these 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 you know road running events they're really cool because they allow they allow you to share the same space with someone that's at a different level than you are right so yeah. speaking of events tell us about pace runs <laughs> hit you with the segue yeah, <laughs> so i i have this saying um and my team loves to say it too i think back to like when it came about and i'm sure people have been saying this before but um to to me it's, it's plan a crush everything Plan A, crush everything. Yeah, so PACE is an acronym. I like acronyms clearly, right? Teamwork, we run kings, PACE runs, plan A, crush everything. I like that. Right? And so um, when I first started running, I ran into one of my fraternity brothers, a couple of my fraternity brothers, and they were like, Joe, hey, you're doing, you're doing really good at this running stuff. Like, what's next for you? Like, what are you, you know, what are you trying to do with this race? And I told them like, oh, I'm trying to run this time. It was a 10 mile race. And I was like, oh, I'm trying to run like an hour and 10 minutes. And to them, they were like, yo, are you crazy? Like, what? <laughs> you just started running. What are you thinking? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just just trying to, you know, improve in this sport. It's, it's really cool. I like running. <laughs> and so they was like, all right, well, are you running like longer distance races? Are you going to do the marathon this year? It's like, actually, I am. I'm doing the New York City Marathon. It was later in after the Paris Marathon. Mm-hmm. And they're like, OK, so what are you trying to do? So I gave them the time. I told them the time that I was trying to run. And they were like, you must be out of your mind. And they were like, for your second marathon, you're trying to do this. And I was like, yeah. Um, and they were like, dude, you got to have, you got to be smart about it. Like, you got to have a plan B. Mm-hmm. Have, he was like, well, shoot, you you, you got to have plan B, C, and D. Shout out to Nick Rizzolo. <laughs> you are calling people out on the yeah, podcast that's my, today. That's my guy, though. <laughs> um, he, he's, he's one of my, my favorite people and a mentor to me. And he's like, you need to have plan B, C, and D. And I was like, nah, man, it's plan A, crush everything. It's, I was like, no, nah, it's plan A. It's plan A, crush everything. And the light bulb went off. It, it, it didn't go off, mm-hmm. no. It didn't. It just kind of, it was like a seed that got planted. Okay. And so every so often we would say that to each other, but it was, this was like four years ago, five, almost five years ago. And um, we would say it to each other all the time, say it in little group chats and things like that. We made a little hashtag, follow that hashtag. <laughs> follow. Go ahead, say like, it. Crush everything. There yeah, we go. Um, and uh, when we were, um, when Mike and I were uh, talking about like starting the race company, we were trying to figure out what to call the race because Mike did a, a race last year, um, last April in um, Brooklyn. And it was called like the Brooklyn Greek Fun Run. Okay. So like, yeah, Greek Fun Runs are great. And I think there's definitely a space for that. But it was like, for me, it was like, that's not my space. Like, I want people to feel comfortable. Like, I want all kinds of people to feel comfortable uh, running and participating in our events. But I also want them to want to do well. And I think that's part of the teamwork ideology. It's like, yeah, you can come in and, you know, wherever you are. But I I do want you to come with a plan. I, I do want you to come with at least a goal. And I can help you with the plan, right? But I do want you to, um, one, like or care about fitness. 
right and want to keep, to improve and um i do want you to have an idea of or a sense of where you want to go with it and even even if that ends up changing along the way at least go out with that right and so pace runs or you know plan a crush everything runs um is a running uh running a uh racing company and we do we um we're hosting two more races this uh one in the summer one in the fall august 26th in riverside park and um october 6th in uh corona park in queens but um that's where the, that's where the name came from got it pace run i like that a lot yeah. and where can people sign up for these races people can sign up at online uh paceruns.com it takes you to another site um, I don't know how to, I haven't figured out how, <laughs> how to get it there for, at first, but uh, it takes you directly to the registration page and um, you can sign up for both events. You can sign up with for other people like you, you can sign up other people. You can make donations um, to the event. And uh, there's another thing you can do. You can do a lot. You can do a lot. <laughs> oh, you can you can you can join a team and you can create a team. And if you don't have a team, you can always join uh, uh, We Run Kings. And if you want more information about joining uh, We Run Kings, you can always uh, visit visit us at the website at WeRunKings.com or visit us on the um, Instagram handle at Teamwork. And that's Team T as in Tom, E as in Edward, E as in Apple, M as in Mary, W as in Watermelon. R as in Richard, K as in Kings. Got it. So there's no O on that one. Okay. So you've got your day job selling insurance. Yep. You've got teamwork where you're training folks. And then you have pace runs mm -hmm. with events. What does a typical day look like for you trying to fit all these things oh, in? Oh, man. You should ask my girl that one. She will... <laughs> <laughs> She will be like, okay, let's go. Time to go. <laughs> gotta do this. You gotta do that. Don't forget this. You know, shout out to Jen. Um, I don't. I wouldn't know what I would be doing. I wouldn't know how to manage any of this stuff without her. Like, she's amazing, and you know, she's a beautiful person inside and out. But, it's good um, to have a partner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, it's a lot. It's uh, like kind of like on the. I've kind of kind of like carved out certain time blocks for to go over everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I wish I woke up earlier, but wake up around like, I don't know, like six in the morning, fuss around in the bed until like <laughs> quarter to seven. Mm -hmm. But um, once once it's like getting going, I'm answering emails, text messaging people, I'm inviting people to the, the races um, via Instagram and WhatsApp. So if you got one of my messages, I can see that you read it. And <laughs> for sure. And you thank you for replying for those that did <laughs> and those that didn't get on that. Get on. It. <laughs> but um, it's a lot of like reaching out to people, communicating with people. Um, and um, and being open to people reaching out to me because I know that I mean a lot of times people will be will reach out to me to help them out with certain events and certain things that they want to get done and things like that. Uh, but days aren't really typical anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of it's kind of crazy actually. Um, so. The newest thing for me personally, and um, you know, and with the um, and because of I guess the association or the, the leadership that I that I have with um, running the organization, I got um, invited to. Can I say this right now? Yeah, I got invited to um, participate in the um, in a photo shoot for um, for the marathon. Which which marathon? I don't know if I should say. Can I say it? No. A marathon. A marathon. We'll leave it at that. A major a major marathon. <laughs> 
And when you see it, you can't see my face, but you'll probably see it a lot of places. So it's gonna be it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So that I, that's why I was up at three in the morning, running all morning, <laughs> making sure that they got the shot. Nice. But I did work with this really cool organization. And I can say their name, um, Street Dreams uh, Magazine, um, and they they're on Instagram too. Uh, street Street at Street Dreams uh, Mag, um, dope dope uh, production company, and just just brilliant. Um, getting a bunch of different kind of shots and videos and things like that. But um, participating in the running community and like emerging as a leader in the running community kind of opens up a lot of different um, doors and avenues that I didn't, I couldn't have met, imagined um, five years ago when I, when I first started. That's awesome. <laughs> so you might anticipate the question that I'm about to ask before we close this out. I really don't know. <laughs> Describe a time when you had to be extraordinary oh. on an ordinary day. That question. Come on. How are you going to say you know, don't know? I did not know that that was coming <laughs> at this time. I didn't know. I promise. Um, I think part of it is that, like, I, I don't I don't really imagine a lot of things that happen as, like, extraordinary. Because it's your story. So it's like, yeah, yeah I, I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And sometimes I can get like a little, get that little December 26th kind of feeling, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is great. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I, I'm not doing enough. Right. But, um, you know, I left school. I left college with only seven credits left. Wow. Yeah. That's um, like the home stretch. That's like a semester I and a half, know. maybe. I guess that, I mean, we'll probably tie this into like running and finishing marathons at some point. But I guess you could say like college was my marathon. And I and I saw the finish line and I kind of stopped short. And I was like, uh, one, one of the reasons I didn't, I just didn't want to pay for another semester, take out another set of student loans. Mm -hmm. And and um, just for what, seven credits, right? So I, I just came back to the city, took couple of jobs here and there I start I did I took one class that same semester and I, I decided hey you know what I'm gonna do one one class a semester for the okay three semesters so I did what I I started what I said I wanted to do but then I took a different job and the scheduling was like a little wonky and I didn't want to pay to register again for another class mind you um the job I took you know I wasn't making a lot of money but I was mm -hmm. making you know, okay enough money to like pay all my bills. Sure. Go on vacations and buy fancy, nice new clothes and like do all the things that adults could do or young adults could do. But um, I just didn't, I, I just didn't, I wasn't um, finished with what I what I originally started, which was, you know, college. Sure. So kept saying, all right, you know what? Next semester, I'm going to go back. Next semester, I'm going to go back. Next semester, I'm going to go back. And then um, five years later. Wow. <laughs> I was like finally looking for a new job. And every posting said, you know what? We need a college degree. And, you know, I've never shown my college degree to anybody. But like if I had to produce one, I couldn't say that I could at that time. Right. So I was like, damn, man, I'm going to be stuck doing this job forever and so I was like you know what just bite the bullet and just do it um I went I enrolled in two more classes down like FIT and I'm taking classes with, <laughs> with all these like 18 year old girls and how old are you I was 20 what is it 24, like 28, 29. So an old head for college classes, right? Yeah. yeah, I was already balding. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I had to, you know, I had to, I had to go to work after the class, so I had to wear like, you know, my my suit and tie type of thing. So I'm in classes with these um these FIT kids and. 
you know, it's it's a it's just a core class. Nobody really cared about it. But to me, it's like, damn, like I got to get this done, you know, and it was just kind of it was to me, I think it was extraordinary because I had I, I had slipped into this kind of uh, level of like mediocrity mm-hmm. and um, I needed to kind of like get back to where. You know, I had to re. I think I had to reinvent the ordinary and just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter if I'm 28, 29, taking classes with 19 year old kids. When I was in college, there were older people taking classes too. Like, all right, no big deal, right? Right. But um, it was me. I was like, oh man, all right, just bite the bullet and and get it done. Oh man, there was so many things you had to do. You had to. I had to re re enroll into my university. I had to go up and visit some of my my college advisors. I had to um get them to write me recommend recommendations to get re-registered into wow. all this stuff um, just to finish those seven credits it cost me a boatload of money and a boatload of time that I didn't think I had at that time but uh, obviously I did because you know I did it you got it I done, done. Um, I got the diploma they sent it to me in the mail um, weeks after the, that, that that next graduation. And I was like, oh, this is good. It's, it sat rolled up in the corner of my bedroom for a long time. And then um, my sister came over and she, she saw it there. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, uh, it's my college diploma. She's like, are you kidding me? What is it rolled up in the corner? So she made me get a, a, a frame and so now it's framed. Yeah, I think as 26ers, we work so hard. And then when we finally reach something, we get it done. We're like, OK, well, on to the, the next thing. But it's it's important to revel in what you've accomplished, even yeah. if the path was unconventional. And it's important to share that and show it to other people who can draw inspiration from it, because sure. there are plenty of people out there who need to reinvent their ordinary. I like that phrase that yeah. you said. And that story is a prime example of staying firm to your goal, even when change, when plans and journeys change. That's that's an example. You see how we just came full circle? Yeah. You see how I just did that? It would happen. It would happen, of course. So tell us, we're just about out of time, but where can people find Joe Shane online? You mentioned the other social media handles, but where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at, at Joe Shane, J-O-E-S-H-A-Y-N-E on Instagram and on Facebook, Joseph Shane. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It was so nice having you. And everyone, make sure you go out there and follow teamwork t-e-a-m-w-r-k pace runs as well has his own has its own instagram underscore underscore pace runs underscore and joe shane say it one more time uh joe shane j-o-e-s-h-a-y-n-e make sure you go out there and follow those handles on social media and do not forget to be extraordinary on an ordinary day take care Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.